Hey guys, I'm The Philosopher and welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. This is where I help you guys level up inside and outside the virtual arena by having guests on the show and talking about topics that I think are important for you guys and for myself. Uh, today, I'm very happy to say that I have a guest that I've, I've looked up to when it comes to making content. Um, that's Gerald from Core AE Gaming. He's had tons of videos that have started tons of conversations and educated the masses in the world of the FGC. So I'm glad to have him on the show to really pick his mind and hopefully you guys can learn as well. But uh, Gerald, Gerald, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tavian. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's already an awesome interview by Born Free out there. Uh, so um, for those who may not have seen that one, and I'll put a link to, the one, to that one down below so you guys can check that out. But, you know, uh, I understand you're in the world of like video editing or videography, but how did that all get started um, in in terms of like getting from there to YouTube? I guess uh, I'll go all the way back. Um, so basically I got started with, uh, if I go all the way back, I got started with video with, um, you know, a long time ago, like, uh, you know, in the nineties, they had, uh, they had the, they just got video features on the, uh, digital cameras, the, the small ones. And, uh, you know, I got, I got one of those digital cameras and I started, you know, just making these short clips. I think it was like, you can only record a max of 30 seconds or whatever, but, uh, I just started playing around with, um, uh, you know, those cameras and, and making videos for my friends that developed into making, uh, videos for weddings. Uh, I got a better camera and started making video for weddings and made a little business out of it. I think when I, around when I was uh, 21 years old and I was just, you know, shooting uh, and editing videos on, uh, on Vegas at the time it was owned. I think it was a uh, Sonic foundry. Uh, I think, I think they're the ones that made Vegas. Uh, that was back way back then before Sony bought them out. I don't know what happened to Vegas now, but, um, I, I, I made money by doing wedding stuff. And then, um, and then I started making short films, uh, and, um, interesting story. Um, uh, one of the, uh, one of my first short films, I had a, an actor named Johnny Simmons on there and, uh, apparently he's, he's made it to Hollywood. And uh, he's in he's in a bunch of films. You can look him up. Um, but uh, but then, like after a while, um, I started getting into, getting into audio stuff. Um, I'm a musician. I play guitar. I don't used to. I don't play as much as I used to. But um, I got into music for a while, and then the kind of the DSLR revolution came. I think it was uh, around 2008, 2009, uh, when Canon released uh, their full frame camera, uh, the 5D with uh, um, you know, with video, a good video function. And, uh, you know, if you have a full frame sensor with, um, with a good video function, you're going to get some really cool, uh, looking stuff that you can't make on, uh, on cameras before that. And, uh, so I got like a, a Panasonic GH1 and I started making a bunch of films again. And, uh, and from there I just kept on doing filmmaking. Um, I entered, you know, a film contests, um, festivals, uh, I got a couple of awards and then I started making, um, making money with these videos for clients. And, uh, I was freelancing for a while. Um, around that time I, uh, I was in Korea, uh, and, uh, I found some friends to, um, you know, make videos together. And, uh, we started a business, um, which is now called, uh, core a studios. And, uh, and this, this company basically just, we're like, a a Western, like American style company in Korea 
doing um, uh, videos for you know domestic Korean clients or or clients abroad, and uh, and basically uh, yeah, so I, I started doing Corey gaming. Uh, on the side, because we you you have a lot of downtime when you do a business like that. Sometimes you get a lot of clients, sometimes you won't. And during the times that I didn't have any clients, I, I just made FGC videos because that was kind of my hobby and my thing. Um, and uh, you know, the the channel started getting traction. And then when it got big enough, uh, I wanted to um, stop doing client work for the company. But uh, I'm still like a co-founder of the company, so I still, um, you know, own stake in that. But uh, it, it's I'm I kind of stepped down from my position, and I'm doing uh, a YouTube thing now um, by myself. So uh, right now, the, the company still exists, and you know, I still meet the guys. Uh, you've probably seen some of them in my videos, like uh, you know, Guy and Bill. Unfortunately, Guy uh, went back to the U.S uh recently but uh, he's doing well and um and uh we still have the business running what possessed you to really start doing the fgc stuff like why if you're already having a good business why would you go from that to something that i guess to a lot of people seems more unstable the fgc stuff just it was, it's kind of a hobby obviously um there are a lot of players in korea that were like really good obviously at the time uh you know like you had players like infiltration who you know who was beating everybody there wasn't much content there wasn't much media at the time and uh you know i was like okay i can do this and um you know i started that's kind of how i started i i, I went to arcade stream um a barcade at the time where all, a lot of top players went and uh yeah i just um i decided i'm going to just start making a bunch of fgc content and uh I mean, later, that's uh, later. I, I started making analysis videos because I had some uh, thoughts and I had a lot of conversations with, you know, fighting game guys. And, and I was like, well, some of these conversations we need to put into video form. So, um, so that's how kind of the, the analysis videos started. But yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's like the wise thing to do. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like you want to you want to try to build upon it, right? You want to give it a shot, and uh, you know, I've been giving it a shot, and you know, I've been it's it's been a, a lot of work. Um, I've been traveling a lot more than I've ever traveled ever in my life this year, uh, thanks to my sponsor UIU, and uh, they've been um, you know sending me everywhere, and it's kind of uh, they've been really cool because they're one of the few sponsors who were just like. Hey man, um, you know, it's cool. Uh, we respect your videos and, and the quality that you put in it. So, uh, you know, you can take your time. Um, I'm, you know, I'm really slow with my releases uh, as everyone knows. And I, I rather just, you know, if, if a sponsor doesn't like that, um, I generally, you know, um, you know, we can't reach an agreement. I, I tried doing something with a deadline one time and it was really terrible. Uh, it's uh, I regret doing doing that because I you know I rushed it and I'm not happy with it and it still bothers me to this day. So generally, um, the most important thing to me is to uh, make the video to a point where I'm happy with. And if the hits aren't that good, then then or the, the viewership isn't that great on a video. As long as I know that 
uh, I'm happy with the video, then I'm fine. But um, uh, for me, I'd rather just make a bunch of videos that I'm happy with that might get that might not get as much attention or, or, or less views than um, you know make a make a bunch of videos that I'm not particularly interested in that might get more views, right? So um, or or a video that I'm not quite as happy with. Uh, that's just uh, I guess that's just how I do things, but um, but it's it's had you know it has upsides and downsides obviously. But uh, I'm I'm very hard to sponsor in that sense, so that's why I think uh, uh, UIU has really, been really cool about that. Right. So something that I kind of think about when when I hear that story is that you know it's obviously there's a lot of hard work involved when it comes to working towards something that you want, but also having some sense of of standards of of what you do and don't want. Um, kind of helps you push helps to push you in that direction because obviously you know like you said there's some upsides and downsides to it but um, from what it sounds like you're, you're working towards what you want rather than what other people expect from you would that be correct uh, yeah I, I do my best it's not easy um, there's always you're always gonna be pressured by the audience right so um, so you you do want to please the audience you do want to give them like you know what they want and they'll give you a lot of suggestions and but if you if you end up doing everything uh, the way that your audience wants uh, and you listen to every single piece of feedback, then you're not doing you anymore. You, you are doing other people. You are, the content is being made by the other people and that can do a lot of damage to your, you know, happiness. That can do a lot of, uh, you know, harm to your content because, you know, you're trying to satisfy everyone and it just ends up being satisfying no one, no one. And then you think, Oh man, um, you know people don't like this. I have to listen to the other people more, and you start losing the the individuality that made you a unique voice in the first place, right? So, um, it's kind of a it's kind of a, a trap that you can fall into pretty easily. I think uh, every frame painting when they made their uh, last uh, what is it? It wasn't a video. It was like a like a blog post or whatever. Um, Tony Joe had a had a bunch of tips about doing YouTube and. And uh, one of them was exactly that. Like, you, you don't really want to, um, you know, just give, do everything the audience says for a lot of reasons. And I think he also added that your, your audience is also not going to respect you as much, even though they say so, or whether they say it or not. Um, there's that risk as well. So, um, so I think, you know, every, I think every like content creator runs into that, right? It's, it's like, you know, you, you can't, you can't ignore your audience. They're the ones that, that got you there and they're the ones that support you and everything. But then at the same time, you know, if, if you hand in the steering wheel and you get into an accident, then, you know, uh, that, that really sucks. Right. Yeah. And then who are you, who are you blaming at that point? You know, you, you can, you can point the finger and blame them, but at the end of the day, you're the one that's making the video or making the content. Yeah. Uh, so in the terms of, of the audience and to the listeners, uh, Something that I find very fascinating is that when you make a video, it's not just a video. It, it is education most times, but uh, more than that, it's a conversation. You know, it's it's kind of an unseen question mark at the end where there's more of a conversation that happens offline in the comments on social media. And I've seen a lot of your videos, you know, I, I watch them when I get an update because, you know, like you said before, you update, you know, when you want to update or upload. But um, I, I see the video and then I always have like, you know, a bunch of friends that post it and share it with me or tag me in it. And there's like this conversation that, that happens from it. 
And I'm curious to know, like, you know, after you make the video, and I want to know more about your creation process, but, you know, after the video is made, you see this conversation happen, you know, one, how do you feel when you see that conversation happening afterwards? And then two, like, how have you seen the narrative with the conversation, like, shift in different directions after the videos have been uploaded? Uh, you're definitely right about, you know, uh, how I want my videos to start conversations. It's uh, uh, one of my goals is to, to, take the conversations that I have with other people, like a lot of uh, fighting game people, um, you know, sometimes really people really good at fighting games. And, and usually sometimes we'll get into this deep conversation where we just can't stop talking about it. It's like so addicting to talk about, it's so fun to talk about. And we come up with all these points and, uh, and that's when I know there's a good potential for a video topic when there's so much to talk about and it's fun to talk about it. So um, sometimes it can be controversial. Sometimes it's, you know, it's more innocent, but, um, it's, it, it's something that's, that's really important to, to making the content because when people talk about stuff, when people, when you, when you start a conversation, it's, uh, it's, it, it can make a difference, like you say. And, um, like, for example, like I, I made a video about, um, just throwing Hadoukens, right? Like, you know, how fire, I, I forgot the name of it, like how uh, fireballs changed the, uh, 2D fighting games or something like that. I don't even remember the names of my own yeah, videos. Yeah, a little fam um, icon on there. Yeah, the fam icon. And like, uh, you know, we I, I talked to people about like the Fireball game and like, it's, it's actually a really interesting game if you think about it. And it's been played for so long and, uh, you know, you still see it now. Like it's all, it's esports now, but now, you know, people are still throwing fireballs and jumping over them and you know, wrecking people. And uh, that's, that element is in is in so many fighting games, and uh, and it's it gets people to kind of understand uh, why you know this kind of game exists in the first place. Why why are people spamming fireballs? You know, I can't get around fireballs, um, so this game must suck. You know, a lot of people will just you know jump to that conclusion, but uh, I feel that like you know if, if someone some other people listen to the conversations that I've had about you know, the fireball game, they might be more interested in trying to, you know, figure, figuring out, um, you know, what, uh, what the intrigue is on this, uh, on this little, you know, sub game in fighting games. And, uh, it's, um, I think it's useful for a lot of people too. Um, just, just yesterday I was uh, playing, um, you know, fantasy strike with some of my non fighting game friends. And, uh, it's, it's interesting you know, in, in that game there, there's, there's a real fireball game there, you know, there's uh, there's projectile characters and, you know, I, it, it's, it's a very simple game. So people can, you know, just kind of figure it out real easily. Right. But I'll just start spamming fireballs as, you know, as much as I can. And like people really have trouble with that. They, they can't get around that. And I'll just, you know, I'll beat people with the fireball. I'm like, Oh, you have to get around them. And then, you know, once they realize, Oh, that's part of the game then they start getting into it. Right. So, um, so it's, it's stuff like that. Um, I think, you know, shifting the conversation, uh, giving people, uh, some tools, people who already play fighting games to kind of show it to their friends who don't play, uh, who might have questions about it. And then, um, also, uh, also there, there are a lot of results. People tell me all the time, like, Oh, I thought fighting games were a bunch of just random mashing 
but you know, I saw this video that you made and I was like, wow, this is actually really sophisticated, deep and actually pretty interesting. And then some of those people will pick up uh, a game and get into it. So I think that's probably one of the more gratifying things that I can get out of my videos whenever I hear stuff like that. One of the things that I both uh, love and don't love about like the FGC and fighting games as a whole is that uh, perspective is a huge part of progression in, in uh, fighting games. Uh, and to that point, a lot of my friends are also fighting game players, so most of the people that watch our videos are already familiar with fighting games. But one of the things that I see a lot of times, um, and I'll kind of encapsulate this into the term of a, a limited mindset uh, or limited thinking, where a lot of players, you know, you hear the, the cookie-cutter excuses, like, I can't get better because this character is OP, I can't get better because of this mechanic in the game, so on and so forth. And I think that your videos are one of the few that actually address uh, being able to shift someone's perspective without really being so intrusive that you're like offending that person. You're always going to have those people that get offended when their thought process is is challenged. But I think that, you know, you found some way of of being able to address these these conversations and share information without just like saying, no, you're wrong, you're an idiot, you need to change the way you think. Um, so to my point, my question is, you know, I, I understand that you're familiar with making videos, but how on, on the other side, like it's almost like a video essay that you're creating, or it basically is a video essay. Like how did that process come to be like where is your your writing or your speaking background come from is that also from video editing or is there something else that that you've learned along the way um yeah so my writing and and uh you know essaying basically comes from uh i mean i guess it just it, a lot of it comes from school <laughs> it's not a very interesting answer but um i did a uh um a ted talk tedx talk earlier this year and uh, my whole topic was kind of about that. The audio didn't come out the way I wanted, so I didn't really share share that actual video because they they didn't uh, put a log on me or anything, and like they just got like the auditorium audio, so um, audio didn't come out very well. Anyways, to, to summarize, um, a big portion of that video was just talking uh, about how there's a lot of stuff that I learned in school that I didn't care about, and I just wanted to get get a passing grade. Uh, if I got an A, that'd be good. But uh, I didn't really care about you know the art of writing or, or crafting arguments or anything like that until uh, I was talking about stuff that I cared about, right? So um, you know, uh, basically, you know, write what you care about, and you'll care about writing, right? So I, I. You know, I, I started looking up literary techniques and like, you know, what good writing is. And I started researching like how to structure um, stories. And uh, also a lot of it comes from my filmmaking background. Like, um, you know, uh, you know, basically with filmmaking, you're creating a story. Right. And uh, you convey it through, you know, video, visual audio stuff. And so um, at one point I was so obsessed with technology that I forgot about my writing aspect. Uh, how, how important writing was to, you know, creating content, right? Uh, there's kind of this people, people call, you know, any video content these days. Like it's, it's weird. Like we didn't used to call, you know, call it content. We, in, in the nineties, you know, it's, when the Simpsons were on, it's like, whoa, you know, those guys, those content creators are, are brilliant. You know, you, you, content creating is like kind of this, uh, you know, it's kind of a newer thing. Um, at least the way people talk about it. And, uh, I think, it makes people feel that like, oh, I, you know, I just make anything and that's content. But I feel that you can actually make, you know, you can make a lot of video 
and audio, and you can you cannot have any content in there. You can it can be completely content free, right? Uh, just because I give you a, a plate, a food plate, uh, doesn't mean that there's food on there, right? So uh, it's it, you know you can you can have a an hour long video of stuff and have absolutely nothing in there of of value, no content in there. So um, really, when we talk about content, um, you know, the core of it is kind of uh, uh, you know kind of what you're conveying, what you're expressing, right? And even even if you look at like reaction videos, right? Uh, the content in reaction videos are kind of the person's thoughts, right? Their opinions on stuff. As a matter of fact, you can look at like, you know, commentary about anything. A video essay is kind of a reaction video. You're reacting to those, you know, certain ideas and, and thoughts. And, and you know, um, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be very different from reacting to, uh, you know, the Kage reveal, right? But it's, um, you know, it's, Nonetheless, your the content in there is that you are, uh, you know, you're you're giving your thoughts and your opinions about something. So, um, I always valued that highly. I always feel that that's one of the most important things. I think uh, you can have the most expensive production, um, you can have the best cameras, you can have the best, um, you know, lighting, but it doesn't really matter if you don't have um, the core content, the the meat, the, uh, the fundamentals, the the stuff, the the argument and um you know uh it, it, content comes in so many different forms so there's things you know just like a, a joke that's content if you can make someone laugh even it doesn't have to be super meaningful or anything but if you can just make someone laugh with with something then that's you know that's content right there i'll, I'll call that content so um so yeah writing is is uh is something that i've always try to get better at. And uh, it's, the t it's the thing that takes the most time when I make videos. Uh, there's all that editing and, and you know, After Effects compositing VFX, that's, that's like super like easy for me. That's just like, you know, I'll just be drinking a beer while, while working on that stuff. It's, it, it, it's, it's the easiest part. But yeah, definitely the most excruciating is, is coming up with arguments, writing stuff and, and making points and, um, being able to convey them in a way that, like you said, doesn't, uh, you know, it's not there to piss people off, but to get people to understand um, certain concepts. And I think that's a big part missing from social media these days as well. But I mean, that's a whole other topic. Like, I think uh, uh, I basically, I, I put a lock on myself. I got this app called Antisocial uh, and uh, I limited my Twitter and my, my Reddit and everything to like 30 minutes a day. Uh, and it blocks me after 30 minutes. And, uh, this is why I'm not on Twitter as much. I think a lot of people may have noticed. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I like to try to, I like the long big picture conversations rather than these short bursts of, uh, anger and, you know, yeah, very surface level conversations, slam dunking on people on Twitter. It's like, yeah, uh, maybe that's just me. Yeah, and kind of in the realm of uh, not so much social media, but uh, it sounds like you're someone who's very focused on on getting something done. Uh, something that I try to advocate for is is people um, doing exactly what you're talking about, where they're kind of blocking off the things that are distractions towards what they want and focusing more on you know what what they want to do. You know, for I always talk about I had a 
you know, now I have a dream job and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I work in the world of esports and then I get to do this in the afternoon. So it, for me, I'm, I'm super lucky and I get to, to do this kind of stuff all the time. But uh, something I try to advocate is that I, I had jobs that I absolutely hated, uh, but I still came home and did the podcast even though I didn't feel like it. You know, I, I still had jobs and people that I didn't want to work with and there were content that I didn't want to finish, but I still finished it. So I'm curious for you, has there ever been a time where you're like struggling to push through a lot of this this, this content that you want to put out to people, um, but you still you know, got it done? And if so, how do you push past all the distractions and negative attitudes and people that pull you away from it? Like, what do you do to, to stay focused on what you want to get done? Yeah, staying focused is, is, a, is, is kind of something I'm trying to figure out myself, right? It's, it's, um, I, you know, I, I do a lot of things to try to get away. I, I try to, when I'm like working on a video and like writing a script for it, I'll, I'll usually, uh, I'll usually, usually just disappear to like some, you know, coffee shop or, or cafe and just work on it as long as I can, as long as I can tolerate that place. And I try to diversify, uh, the, uh, my locations and everything to kind of, um, get, get myself away from the distractions and, and try to not put myself into too similar of a routine to, uh, to try to, you know, get more creative juices flowing, I guess, uh, for lack of better term. Um, as far as negativity and, and all the distractions from, you know, the internet and it's, uh, it's hard. Like it's, it's, I think I talked to Brian F at, at Evo about this. He had a, he brought up an interesting point about how, um, you know, once, once you're kind of known for something like on the internet, you're automatically, you automatically become a concept. You're not a human being anymore. Right. So people will, uh, people just, you know, it, it'll, it'll be like, uh, they'll just treat you like, uh, some, like, some like game they're reviewing. Right. It's like, you know, if you look at like games, you know, like, Oh man, this game Shaq is, it sucks, man. This is terrible. Right. But then like when, when a person becomes known, um, on the internet, they become that they become like an object, um, like public property. Right. Uh, and, uh, it's, um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes that can be tough because like, you'll just be like, um, maybe browsing the internet and, you know, you just like, you, you just see like someone insulting you or, or, uh, making some, you know, like, you know, rude comments or whatever. And the thing is like, you know, people don't, people don't, you know, they're not like suddenly a, a concept because they got, you know, they're known, they have, they have, uh, they're known by a lot of people. Um, but yet they're, yeah. And then the other emotions are, you know, still there, they're still regular people. And so there's, there's kind of a, a thick skin that you have to, uh, wear, uh, if you want to do any of this kind of stuff, just putting yourself out there. And, um, I guess it's something that you have to, you have to accept. And, and there, there is a lot of negativity and, uh, you know, all that stuff like out there, neg negativity is actually. Uh, stuff that makes people angry is some of the, is the stuff that gets shared the most, right. On social media. And then of course the machine learned algorithms, they know that. And basically you have a, uh, a system where it's like, all right, um, let's see how we can push this person's buttons. And, uh, that, that's, that's what they do. They, they get this post and oh, okay, they definitely push his button. So I'll, uh, let's, let's put this on his feet and then, okay, now he's mad. He's engaging, he's sharing. And like, you know, th this, um, this kind of, uh, uh, creates kind of like a, I don't, I don't want to say, 
don't want to say toxic, but it's just like a, it just gets kind of uncomfortable and you don't feel like you're, you're gaining much. And so I think it is important to avoid, uh, you know, avoid a good part of that, but you don't want to cut it out entirely because there is feedback uh, that's really important there. So again, this comes from my talk. Basically the way I deal with it is I imagine that, you know, YouTube comments, for example, are basically um, uh, a way for you to read people's minds in a certain sense. Uh, you know, people like that will never tell you that person. If you make a bad video, you are not going to uh, get direct feedback from your friends and family who love you because, you know, they're, they're just not going to be able to say like, you know, delete your, delete your hard drive. You suck. You know, <laughs> it, you're never going to, you're never going to hear that from your family. They're going to go, Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, the way you kind of have to figure out if someone really thinks the video is interesting or not is you see if they're looking at their watch, their clock, or, you know, um, you might, uh, you might be seeing if, um, you know, if, if they're making an attempt to try to say something positive and, and, you know, it's kind of tricky. It's kind of hard to know what people think, but when you, when you do have like YouTube and, and Twitter and stuff like that, you can, you do know what people think because, uh, they don't care. Uh, there's no, uh, there's no filter. Right. And, uh, and the way I deal with that is basically like, I think of like, what would it be like to be, um, uh, professor, professor X from, you know, X-Men, right? Like, well, he can be, he can be people's thoughts. Right. But is that really like a great thing? Like people think of that superpower as like, you know, being all good. Oh, I can be what people are, you know, read everyone's minds. Right. But the, the problem is, you're going to be hearing YouTube comments in their mind because what's going on in people's minds is a lot of YouTube, like a lot of nonsense, a lot of, uh, a lot of judgmental comments, a lot of uh, things that like they can't say. So um, basically reading YouTube comments uh, is like having the power of like, you know, uh, reading people's minds. And we can all recognize that that's an, an insanely important, uh, powerful ability to have. But um, but it definitely comes with this consequences that we don't normally think about. So that kind of perspective kind of makes me feel like, all right, you know, this YouTube comments, I'm able to like see what people's actual thoughts are and I use it to fuel me rather than uh, get me down. But sometimes it gets you down because uh, we're all human. I definitely, from a personal experience, I, I agree just from people that I talk to and then having my own experiences. Uh, the first thing that people usually will uh, talk about is audio. <laughs> like they'll let you know if your audio is not good. So Hopefully after the editing, I can, I can get this done and not get too many people mad at me. But um, yeah, I, I think when you are being as objective as possible, a lot of times the comments that you might be receiving as negative might actually be more productive than you think. And I definitely agree that, you know, getting the, oh, this is a nice video. I'm a perfectionist. Uh, so uh, I'm never satisfied with my own videos. I'm, I'm never like completely happy with it. When I hear someone say, oh, that's nice. I'm like, can, can I have something tangible to work with? Can you like give me some kind of direction of like your thought process. So I, I totally get what you're saying when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and then one of the last topics I want to touch on just a little bit, um, and it, this is a tangent I should have mentioned earlier, but it, it's a topic of a uh, tangential learning. You talked about it before with, with Lauren Free, and I was kind of curious to know, you know, what is it? How do you utilize it? And then like, how do we, how do you use it in your videos, I suppose? Yeah, so tangential learning is um, it's kind of a thing. Uh, I think uh, Matt Hat of Game Theorist, he talks about that a lot. Um, he, he actually credits uh, extra credits for getting him into it. This idea where 
you basically, um, you know, take, uh, take a concept, um, uh, take a concept to teach, and then you apply it to something, uh, that uh, is important to somebody like gaming, for example. <clears throat> so if I talk about like, uh, you know, I talk about a lot of psychological aspects in my, uh, in my videos, right. Um, if I were to just talk about, um, a psychological aspect without any other context, like for example, um, uh, you know, I could talk about, you know, BF Skinner and his, uh, work in operant conditioning and make a video about that. Like, so do you know, have you heard about, uh, you know, operant conditioning and, uh, you know, uh, Skinner's incredible work behind it? Well, this is how it works. Yeah. This, uh, you know, these pigeons and whatever you can explain something that way, or you can just be like, well, you know, fighting games have conditioning. <clears throat> um, that's a big part of fighting games, right? Uh, you know, like a grappler, uh, like, you know, um, like Zangief or whatever will, um, will have to use, will have to condition their opponent, uh, as, as much as possible to get the proper reads later in, uh, in the match. Right. So when you're talking about like, you know, spinning pile driving people, uh, with, uh, with operant conditioning, then people will be much more interested in that topic. Right. There's, there's, a uh, it's much more fun to talk about that kind of stuff because you can completely relate to it. Cause, cause everyone knows what it's like to not want to, you know, uh, jump or backdash or whatever, because they've been, they've been, uh, uh, SPD, you know, Air SPD. making habits and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, I think uh, v Vsauce made a very good um, point about, I guess, not, not really tangential learning. I guess it might be, it can be a category of tangential learning. Basically it's like, you know, he asked somebody why the sky is blue and uh, they're kind of like, well, I don't know. Like there's, um, uh, you know, the, there's, you know, there's the thing with the atmosphere and I didn't mind have learned it in, in school, but I don't quite remember. But then when he, when he poses the question, do you know why your eyes are blue to the person? They, that person was way more uh, receptive and like kind of wanted to find out, but it turns out that the reason why your eyes are blue and why the sky is blue is like the same, same uh, science behind it. So, um, you know, in one way, the person's like, just wants to know more. And, uh, and in the other sense, it's like, well, that's learning. That's like school stuff. I don't want to get into that. It's boring, right? So um, I think one of the most important things that he said is basically like people, people, uh, even if people say they hate learning, they hate school, they hate like science or whatever. Um, generally, people, people love good explanations. Uh, if you can make a good explanation, people are going to be way more attuned to that than just throwing information at them. And, uh, basically tangential learning is kind of one of those things where, um, <clears throat> where people not only do they want to learn more, or, I mean, <clears throat> people aren't, don't even know that they're learning a lot of the time. It's way more fun and interesting to talk about active frames and comparing them to lightsabers than, you know, numbers, right. You know, like, it's, it's just way more fun. Um, you know, lightsabers have a lot of active frames. That's why yoga flame, yoga flame is the way it is. It's a move that the fire is continuous, uh, kind of like a lightsaber it can always harm you. And, uh, a lot of people learn active frames that way when I explain it that way. So, 
it, that's kind of the idea of tangential learning. And you need enough like a lot of the YouTubers that I actually follow or have followed in the past. And I do remember Matt Pat talking about that. I love both his channels, uh, film theory and game theory. If you guys haven't seen that, uh, check those out. They're pretty cool. Um, but I digress. So I, I want to ask more questions. I only have one more for this time. And I feel like we're only just scratching the surface of our conversation. But, you know, if someone wants to start doing what you're doing, you're like, I want to be the next Corey Gaming or I want to be the next Gerald and start making videos and video essays and getting people talking. But they don't have any of the experience that you have right now. You know, and they're just, they're just getting started. What would you say to them? Like, what's the first thing they should start doing? Uh, if you want to start making content, uh, generally you have all the tools available to you. So, um, you know, video, uh, everyone has a phone, right? You can shoot 4k on most modern phones now, if not 1080 <clears throat> and that's all you need. 1080p is enough. Um, you know, everything else is just, uh, icing, right? So you have all the equipment, you have an internet connection, you have an internet connection and you can go on social media. Uh, can you upload a video to a server that can uh, show the video to everybody for no cost to you? Yeah, that's called YouTube. It's called uh, you know uh, any social media platform. They they let you upload as much content as you want these days. So basically, there's no reason why you can't start making a video. Now there's a there's a few things like um, some technical things that you have to learn to kind of uh, make your video more watchable. And uh, it's just a few things like audio. Um, it, you don't need a super expensive mic. You just, <clears throat> you just need to have good mic technique, for example, right? You don't want to be too far from the mic. I'd rather have a cheap mic where I have a good positioning of the mic than um, the most expensive mic, but I, I can't be close to it, for example, right? Um, little bits of uh, knowledge like that, you'll, you'll make your production quality uh, better. And you'll get to a certain point where people don't really care much more uh, about the production quality. For example, PewDiePie, his videos are in 720p. That's not full HD even. That's like, you know, that's like 2000 and 2003, you know, resolutions, right? Uh, it doesn't matter, right? Because he focuses on the content aspect. So we have all the tools. Video editing software, DaVinci Resolve, uh, is it's free. This was like a color correction industry standard you know color correction software uh that costs like with the panel like cost like thirty thousand dollars at one point uh and uh black magic uh design they bought it out and they basically made it uh made it free for a version that pretty much gives you everything and it comes with uh audio editing with audio plugins uh it comes with um uh, a compositing software like uh, called Fusion. That's kind of like After Effects. Um, learning curve's a little bit higher on that one. Well, I don't know. I'm biased. I'm an After Effects guy, but um, it's a very powerful piece of software, and you know that's free. So you know you, you basically just need a mic, right? And so once you get once you get those kind of things going, um, uh, you just need to build your skills up in production to make it. To a certain level and then just focus on the content uh yeah I, I talked about content a lot right but remember you can you can have all the equipment and tools to make a video like everyone's making videos now you know just go on any social media people can make a video anytime they want right um but it, once you hit a certain threshold of, of of like production quality just focus completely on 
uh, content, like the content itself. And if you need a kind of rule of thumb, so what is content? What is just empty calories in your video? Uh, a good rule of thumb is like, is this something that I would watch if somebody that I didn't know made it and had zero subscribers and zero viewers? Is it something that I would be compelled to uh, share with other people or talk about with other people? And you'll get a gauge. Uh, you, you'll be able to shine an, uh, an honest light on your content. And uh, if, uh, if, if you can, you know, just make sure that you have all those things in place, uh, then I think uh, people will notice the content. Because, I mean, we're all content viewers. We all watch stuff. You know, and if, if, if you like something and you have certain tastes and you have certain uh, interest, things you're interested in, somebody else out there is going to uh, feel the same and uh, you'll get an audience that way. So, um, like I said, there's my videos come from actual conversations that I've had with people that were so fun to talk about that, uh, you know, I, I felt the need to present it for other people. Very well said. And I'm going to have to put a link down below to that software you're talking about. So I'll look it up for anyone who's interested so that you guys can find it a little bit easier. Because I, I didn't know that. I'm a little bit offended because I, I use the Adobe Suite, but that's what I went to school for anyway. So I I, I don't want to learn anything else at this point. Uh, but um, that said, I'll put links down below. Gerald, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. This was very awesome. Hopefully one day I can, in the future I can have you back and we can talk more in depth about certain topics. Uh, if you guys are watching this, wherever you're watching this, whether it be YouTube or any podcasting app, uh, make sure you're hitting subscribe, following the conversation so that you get notified whenever I do have a new uh, video or podcast uploaded. And then let me know down below what you guys are interested in when it comes to content. What do you want to create or what are you creating and what are your goals for the future? That said, thank you guys so much. I'm the philosopher and I will see you all in the next one.